So here's a question for you. What do you think about dying? There's a conversation killer right there, right? So the next party that you're at, just, you know, you're standing in the corridor holding a, you know, an adult beverage and talking to your friend, and you got a chips in one hand and that in the other, and you say, hey, Matt, by the way, what do you think of dying? <laughs> conversation over. But it's a great question, and I'm asking it of you because you need to think about that question. It's a pivotal question, and it's one that, that really hones in and clarifies where you stand with Jesus because everybody has to answer it. Everybody dies. And then there's two options for where you spend your eternal destiny. I'm going to show you a video right now. It's, uh, it's a street interview style of, uh, of interviewers going, and uh, I think they're on college campuses, but they're going and they're, they're asking people where do they think they'll go when they die. And it's very interesting. Watch the video, and as you watch the video, answer this question, who should believe in Jesus? Listen up. So what do you think is going to happen to you when you die? Uh, there's nothing left. <laughs> Everything is tied with me, with my body. Do right and you will go to heaven. Do bad and you'll go to hell. <laughs> I'll probably go to hell. Why do you think why do you say that? Because I haven't got my life together. So that's why. So you believe in uh, heaven and hell then? Yes, I do. And what are your beliefs? What do you think is gonna happen to you when you die? I'ma try my best to make it to heaven. Come and try to get my life right before I die. Man, I got no idea. I probably go to the afterward or something somewhere, which is a very happy place. If I do behave well now, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> uh, my brain will stop functioning, my heart will stop beating, and I will decompose like any other animal there is. And uh, everything about me is physical, so when I die, I'm gonna die like any other physical animal. I'm pretty much, I'm pretty sure I'm going to hell because I'm an alcoholic and I uh, do a lot of crazy stuff, you know, so I'm going to hell pretty much. I'd be lucky if I go to heaven, but I don't think it's going to happen unless I change my behavior, you know, but I don't see that happening. When I die, I'm going to heaven. And what about you? What's going to happen to you when you die? Well, when I die, I'll be going to heaven because I accept Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior, so I'll be going to heaven when I die. My physical body will no longer exist, but my spirit will still exist. Exist in what way? Some kind of unseen presence. There's like a bunch of unseen presences oh, yeah, going I around. Oh people all the time. Really? Yeah, I feel like they're 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 um, up there. Like my sister, I talk to her all the time. And relatives who have deceased. Yeah. Don't care. Why don't you care? I'm atheist. I don't care. <laughs> so being atheist, what do you think is going to happen to you when you die? I don't know yet but I don't care. I don't know. I try not to think about it. Uh, I don't know, really. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. So we're in a series called Disciples. What does it mean to follow Jesus? And that is a pivotal question that we just heard, and your answer matters. So I'm going to help you with that answer today, and you may know it. I'll help you clarify it and become more confident in it. 
Or you may not be sure of it, and that's okay. If you're not, I'm going to give you three solid, irrefutable truths from the Bible that answer the question, who should believe in Jesus? And give the answer, everyone should believe in Jesus. Let me start out by saying this. I think that you should uh, ride a Harley-Davidson motorcycle. I think that you should listen to 80s music or K-Love Christian music. One of the two, nothing else really. Uh, and I think that you should clip your nose hairs so that when you're talking to someone, they don't think a spider is crawling out of your nose. <laughs> Why do I think you should do those three things? Because I do those three things. That's it. Now, maybe you're saying to me, how are my nose hairs? <laughs> Bethany, are we good? Okay. I clipped them this morning. <laughs> Knowing that I was going to be saying this and that some of you would come up to me afterwards and say, let's, let's have a look. <laughs> well, what was I talking about? <laughs> oh, yeah. So um, I think you should do those things just because it's my opinion. Now, maybe you will tell me, I think you should drive a Tesla and listen to George Strait and get pedicures. Why? Because you do those things. Right? So all we're talking about is preferences and opinions here, right? Um, it's like when you post on social media, you know, uh, or, you know, you post on your Nextdoor app, hey, anyone know a good baker? You're going to get 18 answers. Okay, nine of them will have nothing to do with answering the question, and it'll just be like, all right, and, and, and then a few of them will actually give you recommendations, this baker, that baker, this baker, why? And some of those will, will fit for you, and others won't. They fit for them, but not you. Some will be good, some will be bad, some will be wrong, some will be right. And we're just talking about opinions and recommendations and, and personal preferences. Great. But we've, we've actually uncovered zero solid truth so far except that I don't have hair sticking out of my nose. So, that's not progress. So let me give you progress. Who should believe in Jesus? Everybody should believe in Jesus. And what I'm going to tell you is not my opinion. It's not preferences. It's not research-based science. These are three irrefutable, unchangeable, undeniable truths in the Bible about who should believe in Jesus. Here we go. Who should believe in Jesus? Truth number one, everybody should believe in Jesus. Why? Because everybody needs Jesus. Jesus is not just for church people. Jesus is not just for old people or for kids. He's not just for super spiritual people, and he's not just for super sinful people. He's not just for good people, he's not just for bad people. Jesus is for all, all those people. And Jesus is not just a good moral teacher who can te he teach us behavior modification and morals and help us behave better in this wicked world. It's not just that. And Jesus is not He's not a made-up superhero like the Avengers from Marvel Studios. You know, he's not that. Jesus is a real historical person who really lived on this planet, and he interacted with real historical people that are in secular history. We'll mention the name Pontius Pilate later. He's a governor 
in Jesus' area of Judea. That he's the one who, who issued the, the, uh, the decree, the, 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 um, the statement, the verdict, that Jesus would be crucified. Right? Jesus is real. Pontius Pilate is real. The cross is real. The tomb is real. And Jesus is not just a person, but he's really, truly the Son of God and Savior of the world. So, everybody needs Jesus, and here's why. Jesus came to save all people. From what? From a worldwide pandemic that none of us can escape on our own, and none of us have, have ever been able to solve and never will. And that worldwide pandemic, that's a problem. It's a big problem. It's a plague. And the problem is us. Sin. The problem is that we find it in our hearts to hate others who don't share our opinions sometimes. And we find it easy and quick to judge others sometimes just because they're different from us, because they don't ride a Harley-Davidson motorcycle or they don't clip their nose hairs. Now we judge them. You know, we can send planetary explorations to Mars. And we can just send another lunar module that just landed on the moon. And we can do that with success, but we can't figure out how to equally distribute food and water and wealth on our planet? Where's the problem there? We are the problem. Less globally and more locally. I mean, we, we partner with Backpack Friends to try to wipe out food insecurity for, for hungry kids on weekends. And Backpack Friends can't. Just can't they don't have enough resources to, to do this. We can't figure this out. We're trying. God bless it. God bless them. But it's always, it remains an issue. Even less locally and more personally. Our prayers and our dreams and our preferences revolve in our calendars and our credit cards and our Amazon orders revolve way too much around our own selfishness and greed rather than the love and generosity that God wants us to give others. Are you convinced yet that we are our own worst enemy? We are the problem? If you're not, the Bible makes it very clear. When the Bible says, all have sinned. Everyone. No one, no one is immune. All have sinned. Um, Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart. Love your neighbor as yourself. I've not done that perfectly. You haven't either. And so the Bible says, we've all sinned. Who has sinned? Any and all, including Mother Teresa, including my grandma, who is, whew, she was a saint, including your kids. Did you sit your two-year-old down and teach them how to have a meltdown in aisle four of Costco? So babies, kids, adults, good people, bad people, church people, all, all, all have sinned. 
None of us is, is, an, is an unsinful or holy person on our own. There's actually only one being who is perfect and holy and has never sinned, and that's Jesus Christ. So now, all of us need what Jesus has. Everybody needs Jesus. You need Jesus. That's the truth, and you can't change it. Okay, that's number one. Here's number two. Who should believe in Jesus? Everybody. Why? Because Jesus loves everybody. Even you? Well, let me put it this way. Yeah, <laughs> yes, and let me explain. Jesus chose stinky shepherds to, after the angels themselves, to be the first witnesses of his arrival on this planet. Low-class, stinky shepherds. And, and then Jesus chose foul-mouthed fishermen to be his followers. They, were, they made up a large portion of the 12 disciples. And Jesus rescued prostitutes. And Jesus reached out to the divorced, the addicted, and those struggling with, with sexual identity. Jesus respected corrupt politicians. Jesus touched contagious lepers, no one, no one else, not even doctors. They would, they would, lepers had to, by law, be, le leprosy was a very contagious disease, 10 times more contagious than COVID, okay? So they, by law, had to yell out, unclean, unclean, and everybody ran, literally ran, except Jesus would walk up to them, touch them, speak to them, hug them, hold them, and heal them. Jesus loved lepers. Jesus loved fraudulent tax collectors who were traitors to the Jewish people. Jesus loved prostitutes with the kind of love that they didn't know they were missing. And Jesus loves you. He loves everybody. Here it is from the Bible, 1 Timothy chapter 2, uh, verses 2 and verse 4. It says, God our Savior wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. So I just want to say this. Based on that verse, Jesus doesn't need your help critically and categorically condemning any person that he wants saved. But let me tell you where he doesn't want your help. This other verse is from Acts chapter 13, and they're, they're, quoting, uh, they're quoting a verse from Isaiah. It says, uh, this is what the Lord commanded us. Pay attention. This is God talking. This is what the Lord commanded us. I have made you a light for the Gentiles, that you may bring salvation to the ends of the earth. Who does God want saved? God wants all people to be saved. Where does he want his salvation known? To the ends of the earth? Who am I to say, not that guy? Never. There's times we try. 
um, as, as uh, followers of Jesus, people with faith, we, we try, really do. We want, we want others to believe. And, uh, but, but sometimes our, our efforts are more about us than about them. We see these cool new, uh, I don't even know what we call these, band, I don't, are these columns, pillars? I, I don't know, there's these orangish things here on the side. I like to look at those like they're candles. And there's just kind of, they just emit this kind of glow on the stage. Um, I, it, I don't know, it makes me feel warm and fuzzy. I can't even see them behind me, but I just feel the warm fuzzies coming up my way from behind me. And you can see them. It was interesting, we were, we were installing those, and uh, the light installer who was here had some other lights, they were like spotlights, that he put right on top of each of those, a big, huge spotlight that was kind of shining out this way for some backlighting on the stage. And as we were standing back there, looking up here at the lights, the glow from the pillars was beautiful and warm and welcoming, and the glare from the spotlights was like blinding in our eyes. So, so God says, I've commanded you to be a light for the Gentiles. That doesn't mean blinding them by going overboard, glaring. Like when someone's high beams are coming at you, you're trying to drive on the road, you, don't, you can't see where you're going. Don't be high beams. Glow. That's being a light. Glow. Some of you are the only Bible that some people will ever read. So glow. Glow. To the Gentiles, that verse says. That's in, in Bible days, the Gentiles, especially in the Old Testament, where any non-Jewish people were called Gentiles, and the Jewish people were God's chosen nation, God's special nation, where he said, I'm going to give special attention to you. You're like my VIPs, and the reason that I'm doing that is not based on your behavior. They were bad, too. But it is so, others around you, even your enemies, can see what it looks like when God is working in the life of, of someone, of a group of people. And when they see that, they'll be attracted to it, you know, like you glow, like you are a light to the Gentiles. So Jesus loves everybody. Jesus loves you. And Jesus wants those around you to know that he loves them too. There's a phrase today that we're going to dive into, and it's called freedom for the prisoners. That was actually a statement that Jesus made in his first sermon that he ever gave, freedom for the prisoners. Um, you and I have freedom. All right, we, we've been prisoners, prisoners of our own sin or our own worst enemy. We've been the prisoners. But here's the thing. We've been freed by someone who is a prisoner, who became a prisoner. Jesus Christ was arrested and imprisoned because he said, I'm going to the cross for them. I'm going to declare that they are free from their sins, that they are fully forgiven, and there were people who didn't want him to say that about you. And so they killed him. Little did they know that they were fulfilling his plan so that he could become a prisoner of your sin and take your sentence for you from a just and holy God. A just and holy God must punish sin. And he must punish yours, and he must punish mine, or he's not God. 
how he chose to punish our sins is in his own son, Jesus Christ, and not in you or me. Jesus is the prisoner who, who took our sentence for us. And then he escaped prison. Woo! Three days later, after he died, he rose from the dead. And then he ascended up into heaven, and he's given us these marching orders of the church. And so uh, Jesus, he loves everybody. He died for everybody, and he wants everybody to know it. That's undeniable. That's a fact. You cannot change that truth. Jesus loves everybody. All right, now I'm going to take you into number three. But I have to tell you the story about another prisoner. There's a few prisoners in this story. The first two that you hear about are named Paul and Silas. This is a Bible story from, true Bible story from Acts chapter 16. Paul and Silas were missionaries of Jesus. He had appointed them to go, and, and uh, a few years after he ascended up into heaven, and Christians were starting churches everywhere, and he, he told Paul and Silas, go preach and teach about me and start churches. And they did that, and then they got in trouble with the government. And, and the government threw them in jail. So at the beginning of the story, Paul and Silas are in jail in a city called Philippi. And there's a jailer there who's in charge of them. All right, so he works for the government, and his bosses expect him to make sure that all the prisoners stay in prison. Simple job, right? Here we go. Acts chapter 16, beginning of verse 25. About midnight, Paul and Silas, so they're in prison now, in, in like an actually dungeon, deep, dark dungeon. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. Suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once all the prison doors flew open and everyone's chains came loose. The jailer woke up and when he saw the prison doors open, he drew his sword and was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. He'd be in trouble. But Paul shouted, Don't harm yourself. We are all here. The jailer called for lights, rushed in, and fell trembling before Paul and Silas. He then brought them out and asked, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? They replied, Believe in the Lord Jesus, and you will be saved, you and your household. Then they spoke the word of the Lord to him and to all the others in his house. Roman law in those days demanded of jailers that if their prisoners escaped, what happened was that the jailer simply was given the same sentence as the prisoner's to substitute for them and to pay the sentence in their place. The fact that this jailer wanted to kill himself probably meant that Paul and Silas were going to be executed, or he assumed that in some way, but that's why it says he wanted, he wanted to kill him. He just figured he was in deep, deep trouble or even death and was going to take care of it right away on his own. The jailer became the prisoner of his own fears, of his own behavior, of his own trouble. He became chained to it and couldn't escape. He became the prisoner. Meanwhile, Paul and Silas had been stripped, and they were stripped so that they could be beaten every inch of their body. 
and after they were beaten, they were put in shackles and then put in the deepest, darkest cell in the dungeon. And after all of that, they were singing worship songs. But doesn't your back hurt? Isn't there blood dripping in your eyes? They were, they were praying to God. God, we thank you that we're still alive. God, please take care of our families. God, please, please convert this jailer to Christianity. God, please uh, resolve world hunger. I don't know what they prayed, but they were, they were praying and singing. And they had joy in Jesus. And they had hope and confidence. They weren't curled up in a fetal position in the corner of the dungeon, moaning and yelling curses at their captors. How do you do that? You and I curl up into the fetal position when we're too stressed out and call out curses at our boss or our government or the kids or our spouse or the wicked world. I think I want to handle stress like Paul and Silas. Do you, right, you want to handle stress like that? I mean, do you want the joy in Jesus that when you are stripped and whipped and locked up and chained in, in a dark dungeon, such joy in Jesus that you can sing worship songs? I mean, do you want to handle your stress like that? Say yes. I hope so. And right, and do you want to be praying like they were praying? Like, so handling your work drama? Handling your, your broken relationships? Your letdowns and losses? Do you want to be able to, to pray like that so someone else looks at you and says, wow, I want to pray like that. Do you want to do that? Say yes. Yeah, see, so I, I want them. And so there was someone who wanted that too. He wanted to be able to laugh at his fears, to, to look the devil in the face, and, and to stare him down and to say, I'm not afraid of anything you can throw at me and say it with confidence in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so, yeah, he's the one who asked, I, uh, what must I do to have, how do I get this? How do I be free? Paul and Silas were in chains, but they were really free. And you, you and I are stressed out, we're, in, we're, we're we can't find deliverance from our troubles. And circumstances seem to be robbing us of everything. When we have that joy in Jesus, we are free. And our circumstances are the prisoners. He said, how do I get this? They said, believe in the Lord Jesus. So what happened? They spoke the word of the Lord to him. They, they somehow made it to his house. It says, at that hour of the night, the jailer took them and washed their wounds. Then immediately he and all his household were baptized. Jailer brought to them to his house, set a meal before them. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household. You know, Alan said before that our mission at Cross Life is to connect people to Jesus. We love doing that, but don't forget about the second part. Once you've been connected to Jesus, then our mission is also to help believers live a more fulfilling life and how fulfilling for Paul and Silas. As prisoners of the Lord, those are Paul's terms, prisoners of the Lord, they were able to make an impact. 
And God showed up and threw an earthquake down, and through it all, they were able to, to lead this jailer by their faith, their joy in Jesus. They were able to change his life. Everybody should believe in Jesus. Why? Number three, because believing in Jesus changes your life. So be filled with all of Jesus. He gives each of you all of himself. Be filled with him and believe in him. And then empty yourself of him and give him to others. And that is a fulfilling life.